Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Everybody, welcome to Shouse in the House, coming to you with an early morning episode today. Um, I have with me uh, the wonderful Reawaken America tour, Clay Clark. Clay Clark, this is a tongue twister. Um, and Clay, I am very honored to have you as a guest on my show today. And I wanted to go ahead and give you an opportunity to kind of let our audience know who I'm dealing with. From what I can tell extreme entrepreneur. I think one of my favorite quotes that I found that you said was, um, uh, hold on, I wrote it down. It said, where did I put it? Well, so far- You're the enemy of average. That was my favorite thing that you said, because it's the idea that, and you had like posted it on your wall. And and so I, I want you to kind of talk about like your tenacity from- from the start to how you ended up meeting with um, General Flynn and starting the Reawaken America tour. Okay. Well, let me just walk you through this. Uh, for anybody out there that wants to, to know, I'll kind of give you a very honest look into my life. You know, I, I grew up uh, uh, poor. So how poor? Uh, some people grow up, you know, poor, like they're living under a bridge. I didn't grow up that poor. Uh, but my dad, you know, worked at uh, a quick trip, a gas station. He, he delivered pizzas at Domino's. And I appreciate, appreciate him for doing that to put food on our table. And uh, much like anybody, I, you know, I aspired not to be poor. Now, this is kind of where the fork in the road is, and I hope I can give somebody some mentorship or some advice here. Um, I've written uh, many, many entrepreneur books, over 20, and you can download them for free uh, by going to thrivetimeshow.com forward slash millionaire, thrivetimeshow.com forward slash millionaire. But if I was sitting down with a client, this is what I would tell them to do. I would say, okay, if you want to be worth a million dollars and there's 365 days in uh, a year, how many dollars do you have to save a day? And someone's like, I don't know. Okay, let's do the math. So you know, you do the math and you go, well, okay, you got to divide that by, okay, so I got to make two thousand seven hundred dollars a day of profit. And I th- I started thinking to myself, that's probably ten times more than what I could make per day. But you know right. what? I think I could do it before I'm thirty. And so I came up with a plan to save a, basically two hundred seventy dollars a day, two hundred seventy dollars a day. Well, how do you do that? Uh, so I had to build a business. And so what kind of business could I build? Um, well, I started, uh, and there's four steps to entrepreneurship. Step one, you find a problem. Step two, you solve the problem. Step three, you you you, you sell the fix. It. You try to sell it. And step four, you nail it and scale it. And so with my company, I started a company in my parents' basement called djconnection.com. And uh, people uh, would say, well, how, how did you get your first clients? Great question. I'd pick up the phone with my 16-year-old self, boop, 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 and I would call up schools, and I would say, hey, I'd love to DJ for this year's prom, uh, this year's homecoming dance, this year's events, and I'll beat any DJ's price, and I'll do the first event for a dollar, the first event for a dollar. Um, well, and then people were like, a dollar? Yeah, I mean, you could pay me more. I won't be opposed to it if you want to, but that's just all you're obligated to pay me is a dollar. And well, you know, if you do that consistently, one day I looked up and uh, my business, djconnection.com, I was being recognized as the Metro Chamber of Commerce, a young entrepreneur of the year in the city of Tulsa. I was named as entrepreneur of the year for the city of Oklahoma, for the state of Oklahoma by the SBA. And uh, we were doing 4,000 weddings a year. 
4,000. That's like 80 weddings per weekend. And uh, sometime between that story and uh, now I bought or I started a, a, a party rental company, uh, which I grew in scale. I sold it uh, to now, now it's called Party Pro. It, it still exists, but it's no longer called Party Perfect. Then I started a company called Epic Photos, the region's largest wedding photography company. Uh, at the time before I sold it, I started a, a party rental company, the DJ company, the photography. Um, and then I sold, uh, I also started one of the region's largest uh, bridal shows or, or wedding shows for brides, uh, bridal exhibits. Um, and then I sold that company. Uh, sold those, so I sold, sold all that stuff. And then I thought, well, you know, I should get involved in dentistry. So I put money into a dental practice and then put money into a, a law firm and then flipping houses. And somewhere along that time, probably 2006, five-ish, people started asking me, how do you do it? Like, how do you build all these <laughs> businesses and could you teach me? And I thought, sure. So uh, I would do it and I would uh, not charge. I'm just, I want a percentage of the growth. Well, that has grown to the point where now if you go to a thrivetimeshow.com and you click on the testimonials button, Right there. Um, I've now found that uh, um, as of today, we've scaled thousands of companies and I make most of my wealth by making a small percentage of the growth. And so if you're listening today and you're going, man, my my business, my podcast, my whatever needs to grow, my church, my dentistry, my photography business, whatever, um, you can just go there uh, to uh, thrivetimeshow.com and we have conferences every two months. I've been doing that since 2005. And people can just name your price. You can pay whatever price you want to pay. Uh, I tell people it's $250 or whatever you want to pay. I want to make it affordable for you. And then my upside, if you become a client, is one of the only take 160 clients. And I like to make a small percentage of the growth. And uh, I charge people a flat rate of $1,700. And then I get a small percentage of the growth. And so that's what I do. Uh, I've been enjoying enjoying the fruits of our wonderful freedoms we have as Americans. And then I saw all of that being taken away from us simultaneously through the invention of the or creation of the Great Reset, um, also known as the Fourth Industrial Revolution, also known as COVID-19, also known as the pneumonia coming from China right now. Also known yeah, as I was getting ready. That's on the list for us to discuss today. Yeah. So that's that's how I got from, you know, maybe irrelevance to relevance. And then when I stood up against the lockdowns, quarantines, curfews, sued the mayor of Tulsa and turned my building into a church, um, I got the attention of a lot of people for doing that who happened to be pro-freedom. And now today I'm the host of the Reawaken America Tour. We're on event 22. And I think we have one event left coming up here potentially in June, but December uh, 15th and 16th. So coming up here in just a few days, the two weeks, the Reawaken America Tour goes to Tulare, California. And uh, continuing on that theme, we let people name their price. And so, but the, the thing that's great is that I'm not the main speaker. So you'll see people like Eric Trump and, and President Trump's uh, son, Don Jr. and Laura Trump and Cash Patel and uh, General Flynn and, and people that are maybe more prominent, Roseanne, Jim Brewer, that kind of thing. But again, you can name your price. And uh, that's that's my, uh, that's what I'm doing now to do, to try to wake up America. Okay. So since we get there, the Reawaken America Tour, it's been labeled as a far-right Christian nationalist movement by the left-wing media. And so I, I, you know, I sat and I spent a lot of time between when I booked you and now going through these articles, because I think it's always important to kind of hear what the enemy is saying about your friend or whatever, I guess. Um, so I, I spent some time, and it really looks like they just hate the fact that you love God. and. I, 
I found this one part really interesting is the story about your son, Aubrey. Mm. And when he was born, they thought that he was going to be blind. True. And you and your wife prayed over him and he he regained his sight and he overcame that. Yeah. And that was, I, I think maybe when God touched your life, I think is the way that you that yeah. you quoted it. Well, this is the thing. Um, you have pictures in the background, so I assume you're a, a mom. You got the Ayn Rand book there, so I'm assuming you're a capitalist. There's certain assumptions I can make. Um, yeah. you know, and so if people look into my wall or my background, there's certain assumptions that they can make. And all I know is that um, I really didn't believe in God being literal. At the, at the time my son was born blind, I thought, you know, God was um, created the earth, maybe, you know, and then that was it. Or or maybe I, I, I just didn't ponder a lot how we got here, where we're going. Um, and I just focused on head down, growing businesses. And then my son was right. born blind. Um, I actually uh, didn't believe he'd ever see. So I told my wife to stop praying for him. I actually was like pre-Fauci. I was pre-Newsom. I was like, stop praying in my house. Stop praying. You're making me crazy. Stop it. And I, I mean, I actually said those words all the time, like stop it. And then she would, I'd go to work and then she would keep praying for our son. And, uh, there was an employee at the time who sent an email, uh, to us uh, telling us that he felt our son would be healed, which really irritated me because I thought there's no way that's going to happen. So stop it. Um, and then, you know, we were going to the Dean McGee Eye Institute, which is a uh, top, uh, optometry, top optometrist, top ophthalmology, top the place you go to if you have eye problems, you know. And uh, there was like they, they were saying, you know, your son's blind. Sorry, you know, go to uh, Doctor Groves, the doctor in Tulsa. He said, sorry, your son's blind, blind. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, how much how's my son going to become the next blind musician? How's my son going to do well in blind school? What's the top school for the blind? You know, that, that's kind of like sure. in my mind. Meanwhile, my wife was like, it's not going to happen. He's going to be he's going to see he's going to see. And I just thought she was crazy. So my wife was really the one who was praying for my son to, to see. Um, and then I read George Foreman's book called God in My Corner. And uh, in, in, in George Foreman's book, um, he talks about how he had a family member that was blind or not blind, but he was in a coma. The family member was in a coma. And George uh, didn't really believe in God either, but he said, God, if you'll heal uh, my family member here, uh, get him out of the coma, I will stop boxing professionally and I will become a pastor. And I, I, and I had heard little remnants of that story and I thought, you know, I'll read it, but I didn't want to. So I had my wife read it out loud to me while we were driving to Florida. Uh, and we were driving and I thought to myself, as she was reading, I'm going, Either George Foreman is a liar or this actually happened. And I know enough about George Foreman to know that although he's not perfect, he's a pretty just direct individual. Right. And so I began um, praying for my son. Um, and uh, I don't think my, my prayers are special. I don't think there's anything anointed about the way I pray versus anybody else. I don't think that God, I don't understand why some people are healed and some people aren't. I don't understand all that. But all I know is that my son started seeing when he was told he wouldn't see. And so my son today is this miracle anomaly kid. And if you go to uh, Amazon.com, my wife wrote a book called Now I See, which she very rarely tells people about unless they ask, because my wife doesn't want to run around having people think that she's more spiritual or more in tuned or more than anybody else. You know, spiritual one-upsmanship is the worst. Um, and so uh, that's when I started believing that God was real. So that, that that's my uh, story of, of how my my son began seeing. 
I then cold called uh, George Foreman. I asked if I could meet him because I wanted him to meet my son. And he said yes. And so I went to Houston and met George Foreman. And he was so excited to see my son. And my son's now uh, 16 years old. Um, he has a um, entertainment company where he runs sound and lights for churches and other organizations. Uh, he has a landscaping business. He's got uh, I think about 20 lawns that he services right now. And he'll actually run the audio for our next in-person uh, business workshop here coming up next week. So uh, my son can definitely now see. That is awesome. Um, so again, going back to this this notion that you're a Christian far-right nationalist movement, mm. I think number one, the media, especially through the Donald Trump administration, really wanted to work hard on uh, bastardizing the term nationalist, like turning that into something similar to like a Third Reich Germany or something. And yeah. so can you kind of... Just give kind of an overarching response to like, is that a moniker that you guys embrace? Yeah. Is it something that you reject? Is it something well, that you disagree with? Let me give an example. Again, I'm just trying to give people examples that are super dense and practical because that's how I think. Uh, you have good hair. I don't have good hair. You've got good, good hair, big hair, good hair. So if I were to call you a Harris and say, you know, the shows in the house is a Harris show. All they care about is hair just because she has good hair. You know, that would not be or, you know, because you wear glasses. It's like she's just showing that's all she cares about is glasses. She's big into glasses. It's an optometry. Right. Shameless product placement for optometry. The whole show, she's pitching optometry. Um, I don't know that's true, but those two th facts happen to be true. So let's break it down. I am a Christian. Okay, cool. And if right is right and left is wrong, then I couldn't be more far on the right because I definitely don't embrace the woke agenda, which is left, which is wrong. So I would have to be on the far right, right? I might even be further right than they say because I would have to say I, I believe the Bible's right and anything that's not in the Bible's wrong. So uh, however far right you could be, I'm uh, my face is up in the middle of Hebrews right now, kind of Christian. So my face is right up in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 12 through 14, where the Bible tells us that when the Euphrates River dries up, the false prophet will show up and China and Russia will team up. That's Revelation chapter 16, verse 12 through 14. I'm right up. My face is right up in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, when I look at the United Nations, uh, the Guardian of Nations statue. I'm right up in Mark chapter 13, Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21. When I see these events happening, I'm right in the smack middle of the Bible, which I believe to be the irrefutable word of God. So that's that. Now, as far as um, nations or nationalists, um, I think if we I think we're fair, if we look up the word nationalist, because I haven't looked up the word nationalist in a while. Um, let's see. So it says a person who strongly identifies with their own nation and vigorously supports its interests. That's true then. So I am Christian. <laughs> I am on the far, far right, and I am a nationalist. And I guess the opposite of that would be a godless, uh, far left globalist. Right. So uh, in a world where you're not supposed to be uh, all in for something, I am. So I'll tell people this. If, if, if this was a business podcast, which I know it's not, but I'm just going to give you a little glimpse into how I'd run businesses. I would say to my client, I have one of my clients, I helped her uh, grow her and he, so she's they, to grow their podcast, true story, from $0 of revenue to $270,000 a month of profit. We just got, we just cashed out yesterday. We just, $270,000 a month. It needs to be zero. And when talking to her and him, true story, um, and you'll find these stories at thrivetimeshow.com, I said to them, what is your show all about? And they said, well, we're into the prophetic. 
you know, but we, we don't want to be too prophetic, you know, because that's not, we're all <laughs> into uh, conservative values. We believe in God's and or God singular and the Bible. And, and we, we do believe in precious metals. And, you know, that's something we believe in. And we're really into God. But we don't really want to exclude people that don't believe in God. And we don't want to exclude anybody that doesn't believe in the prophetic. And we don't want to exclude anybody. I said, so really your show is in the middle which is unmemorable because by definition, if you don't remember it, it's not memorable. So I would would encourage you to become a purple cow. And they're going, what? I said, a purple cow. (laughs) So in the world of brown cows where everything's a brown cow, be a purple cow. That's why I'm an enemy of average. So figure out what you're all about and then be all about it. And they traveled to Tulsa because they had a hard time believing that I do this. They come into my office and they're confronted with a massive American flag merged with the Israeli flag. When you walk in, there's an Israeli flag, an American flag, and the line of Judah. Right, the, right. You, when you walk in, America, Israel, line of Judah. You cannot. You have to walk by a lion, a physical lion statue, to walk into the office. They walk in, and you open the door, and I'm looking to my left here. You see a massive American flag. And then underneath it, there is a massive, and it's not a org chart, but this is how it works. Underneath it, there's also a massive flag that says Jesus is King. And if you look to your north, south, east, or west, you'll see a Jesus is King sign everywhere. And they said, you really do live that way. And they said, how do you hire anybody? And I said, well, I don't you know, say you can't work here if you don't believe in the Judeo-Christian values and American exceptionalism, but you probably wouldn't want to. And so my staff behind me that you'll see walking around sometimes or my Jesus cardboard cutout I keep in the far right of my background. People always say, this is what you're all, this is wild. It's like, it's either refreshing or disturbing for people to see somebody who's all in for their values. So I would just say this, if you're listening today and you are struggling in the marketplace to stand out, find something that you sincerely believe in and go all in for it. Whether it's something as, as uh, non-deep as if you're selling women's clothes. Uh, one of my clients I worked with back in the day, she used to sell bracelets for women that were handmade and they're like leather crafted, handmade bracelets. And she was flirting with doing different ideas. And I had just said, just focus on becoming like the bracelet queen, like the, the the big, beautiful bracelet queen. This is all you do. And she niched down. And now today, I mean, multi, multi-million dollar business because she's focused. And when you take the sun's rays and you focus them on a given subject for any period of time with intensity, a fire may start because you've harnessed the sun's rays via a, a magnifying glass and you focus the sun's rays. But if you take the sun's rays and you evenly disperse them throughout a given area, nothing burns. You got to cause a little fire by focusing. So you touched on something there that I want to just dig into a little bit. Uh, so God, it, it's it's taboo. It's, it's taboo for you to embrace those values, uh, societally speaking. Now, I don't disagree with that, but the all-in messaging. So you see things like Dana White is starting to push back against advertisers. Elon Musk gave a speech where he pushed back and said, I'm not going to compromise myself for you anymore. Do you see a shift coming where that commitment to values, that commitment to your own personal belief system is going to start overriding this extortion that's taking place societally? No, but I want it to. Right. So I want it to, 
but I don't see it happening. So let me just give an example of why I don't see that, but I'll tell you why I want it to. I want it to because I want to go back to America because I believe that's what America was all about. I mean, you had a hardware store uh, back in the day that would be a hardware store and the owner happened to be white. You'd have a barber shop and the owner happened to be black and you'd walk into the black barber shop and the black barber was there and he didn't apologize for the the fact that he primarily focused on black men that had haircuts that he that they wanted and then you go into another barber shop and there would be a lady who specialized in women's black hair and it's women's black hair this just in is different than women's white hair so there would she would, so you, you if you were, were a white woman and you wanted to go to the store where they cut black hair or vice versa you can and so i have a haircut chain right now and we half of our staff is white half is black that's fine but I didn't have to put up a disclaimer saying, we apologize that only 37% of our haircuts are for black people and only 27% of them are for Hispanic people. You know, it was just like we didn't have to put a disclaimer before everything. It was just like we're cutting hair. And if someone comes in and says, I'd like an elaborate design to be cut into my child's head before their basketball game. To this day, we say that's not really our niche, but we know of a great place in Tulsa you can go to and they do that. And then if you go to that place and you're looking for a haircut for a white woman, they'd say, that's not really what we do, but here's a place that does that. And, and, and all the people in the hair game in Tulsa, we don't apologize for that. But our culture wants us to put a disclaimer sign up that says, quick warning, we do not specialize in, but although we apologize for ourselves, we, and I think that's what our culture wants us to do. So I see right now is uh, Elon Musk um, is the world's largest defense contractor. Um, that is a fact. Um, Elon Musk uh, is a guy who rolled out the mRNA uh, technology that's in the the shots. That's Musk. Um, Elon Musk is a uh, uh, big fan of self-driving cars. So you got Klaus Schwab, Elon Musk, Xi Jinping, and Harari. You've all know Harari. These four guys are all in favor of self-driving cars, universal basic income, connecting your brain to artificial intelligence and mRNA technology under the skin, these four. So these are all different brands of the same ideology. So Xi Jinping says we need to have self-driving cars to limit freedom. He's open about it. Universal basic income. He's open about it. mRNA under your skin, surveillance under the skin. He's open about it. Musk, though, is saying that, no, 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 you need to have self-driving cars because it's more efficient. It's better. It's uh, you need to have mRNA technology because it may be at the cutting edge of health. Uh, we need to have self-driving cars because it's safer, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have Schwab who's like, nah, I'm full dictator. Here we go. But they're all different brands of the same solutions. They all want mRNA modifying nanotechnology in the shots. They all want self-driving cars. They all want central bank digital currencies and universal basic income. And they're all a big fan of the transhumanism agenda. These are four different brands of the versions of the same thing. So, um, I, what I watch right now in the marketplace is a lot of my uh, wonderful podcast friends. They're doing a show, and uh, I was telling you about the client that's doing two, that's doing two hundred seventy thousand dollars a month of profit. They automobile dealer dealers will not touch their show. It's so like right now, my podcast has about two to three million downloads a month. The uh, Thrive Time Show podcast on Rumble and other places, and just this past week. I had a representative for one of the major podcast placement services. And they call me and they go, here's the deal. I listened to your show and I know I reached out to you to sell you ads. This is the ad rep who reached out to me and they said, I listened to your show, but there's not a single advertiser in the top 40 names of brand recognition that will touch your show with a 10 foot pole. So you're not going to get Nike or Levi's or Ford or Honda or Major League Baseball, or NFL, or none of them will touch it. None of them will touch it. So, however, 
I have nothing to sell you, so it didn't cost you much for this call. And that's what I see. That's what I see. I want it to be where companies embrace non-woke ideology. But what I find is that most people have the love of money, and that's their moral compass. And so the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So I'm going to read this to you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So people started out with good intentions, being the CEO of this big company or whatever, but then over time to conform to the world, they all have gone woke. So when you look at the top 100 brands in America, most of them are controlled by people that have woke ideology. So I want to return back to, I want to turn back to where people are unapologetically in favor of their values, but I don't see it happening near term. Now, midterm, should Trump win uh, the general election, which would um, showcase that there are more, quote unquote, more of us than them, whatever that argument looks like. If that happens, I think then you would see a tipping point that would follow that. But if he doesn't win, I think people will see, wow, if you try to go up against the deep state, no matter how rich you are, you're going to be sued, subpoenaed, persecuted, prosecuted, um, vilified. And that's where I find most of our speakers are at right now. Most of our speakers at the Reawaken America Tour, Peter Navarro, uh, Peter Navarro, that's the author of Trump's economy, Peter Navarro. Think about that. The economy was incredible. That's the author of the Trump economy, Peter Navarro, uh, Eric Trump, uh, Tr Trump's son, Laura Trump, Cash Patel, Dr. Mikevitz, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, et cetera. Virtually all of them are being sued, subpoenaed, canceled, uh, prosecuted or persecuted because of their faith. So we're like team persecution. <laughs> um, okay. I know I only have you for about five more minutes, so I want to ask you these two more questions. I'm ready. Uh, the first is, do you believe that America is still fired up or do you believe that apathy has set in? You run a tour and I can remember when Donald Trump was, I mean, standing only room. And I feel like that is waning. Is that because of the exhaustion of the the lawsuits and things like that? Or where do you think the American public stands right now? What you just said is a very um, strong observation that I can't refute. I think it's actually very intelligent what you said. I'm not pandering. I really do think that what you just said is is uh, accurate. I just want to pull up a little bit of polling data here that I have to my right here. Um, Glenn Beck did a show about this, and uh, Glenn Beck was showing that right now, roughly in swing states, Trump is pulling at around high 30s and low 40% from Hispanic voters. Um, and he's like, you know, low 20% of black voters. Now, Barack Obama received 99% of the black vote when he ran. Uh, most Democrats historically run on pandering to minorities, et cetera. And I happen to have a lot of clients that happen to not be white. And most of my clients, now they're entrepreneurs, so they're, there's their bias. They're telling me that they are no longer going to go left. They're going Trump. So I'm seeing that. But what I'm seeing right now is we are being attacked on like, I'm going to focus on five fronts simultaneously. Most people are being attacked. Their, their kids are being attacked in school. If you're listening right now and you're a mom or dad, there's a school in Tulsa right now, or in, there's a, a school in Piedmont, Oklahoma, where they're rolling out kitty litter, kitty litter in the bathrooms for kids. And so parents are like, what? So there's that level of wokeism in the school. So parents are being attacked there. 
then kids are being attacked on the field on the on the athletic fields or the athletic endeavors so you know you have men now competing in women's swimming i can go on and on examples so they're being attacked in the sports they're being attacked in the school then people are being attacked in their wallet you know you go to the store and it's like in hyperinflation is being set in so people are paying three times what they paid you know five years ago for an avocado people are paying two times more for plywood people are paying three times more for a lot of their food their their, their grocery bills are doubling so people are being attacked in the grocery store and school and the athletic fields then in faith houses of worship you've got the lgbtq agenda being shoved in your face at many churches today and you're told you're a bigot if you believe for the biblical values, if you believe in the actual biblical values. And then that fifth is sort of the political world. And I think a lot of people are going, I just got home from work where I got beat up all day and my kids got home getting beat up all day. And I just, I just, I went to the store. I can't afford anything and just, oh man. So I think people are so beat up that they're like, I'm going to vote. But I am worn out. You know, so I think a lot of people are just worn out by the emotional battles they have to have during the day. That's my assessment. Do you think that they'll get up and go to the polls, though? Like that that, or or, like to vote? Like I I, I've always I'm concerned right now. Like people are are it's almost like they're the we always talk about the frog in the boiling pot of water. Right. And. I feel like the American public has let the water boil for too long at this point. They're starting to just die. Well, I find that, um, you know, this is what I find. I find that, you know, with a lot of um, conservatives, I've said this for years before the Great Reset. I've always said if you're going to have an election and you only count the votes of people that show up, Republicans will always win. Because Republicans actually show up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If you have an election where uh, you don't have to show up to win, Democrats will always win because Democrats don't show up. So I'll give an example. In my office, I'm going to interview today. I I do what I call an interview or a a hiring process. It's kind of like a job fair or a career fair. Um, And we do that every week in my office. And what we do is if you were to apply today, this is what we would tell you. We'd say, hey. We looked at your resume. We think you may be a good fit. Why don't you come in tonight at 530? Uh, We do that on on three days a week, 530. So that way we can meet you and see if you're a good fit. Now, just so you know, uh, we recommend you get there early. You dress to impress. You bring your resume. And last night, I cannot make this up. We had 37, 37, 37 candidates that said they were going to come for the one-on-one job interview. Do you want to guess how many of those 37 actually showed up? Well, you're pretty good. We had seven. It's seven (laughs) candidates show up last night of 37. And I find that the people that showed up are the ones that have a job, that are hardworking, that are looking for a way to improve themselves. But the other 30, they just don't care. So that's why if you ever had an election where you had to show up to to vote, then conservatives would by and large win because they're people that believe in values and standing for something and pushing through a little bit adversity. If it's raining, a conservative still votes. If it's snowing, they still vote. And that's been proven over time consistently. But when you take mail-in ballots, that's a rough look because now you have apathetic people that are allowed to vote. Right. Okay, last question. And this is going to be a doozy for you, I think, maybe. Maybe not. Um, if Donald Trump is convicted, which is a real possibility, not because he's actually guilty, but because of of the court system operating the way that it is at this juncture, what will your shift in support be? Who is your 
essentially like contingency plan. Well, if I, I, I totally expect him to uh, be convicted or arrested or whatever name you want to you know, house arrest or whatever. Um, but I, I'm all in for team Trump. I don't agree with him on Operation Warp Speed, but beyond that, I agree with him on pretty much every issue. So I will be voting for President Donald J. Trump. Okay. That's a fair answer and a good way to close out the show. I really appreciate you sitting down with me, Clay. I hope to actually have you on again. I had more questions. 30 minutes is not enough time. I need an hour. But thank you so much. Take yeah. care and have a wonderful day. And by the way, if you want the tickets, folks, for the Reawakening Tour, the last of those final tickets, we have just under 300 tickets available for Tulare, California. It's just outside of Fresno, and you can name your price, and you can get those tickets at time2freeamerica.com. Again, that's time2freeamerica.com. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'll put a link in the show description for everybody. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!